Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi. This is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangibondnetwork.com. You can look them up, and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile-friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains. You can do it. You can do it. Check it out. tangibondnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Josh Peterson of Ghost Toasters and Chad Smith of Hyperschmidt are talking the big DC price hike and how it affects consumers' opinions on the comic book market. Plus, Chad fills us in on how it's like to take on the music world with his hit music group. Then Charles Smith from Inside Sports stops back in as the matchup is set for the Super Bowl as he gives you the inside scoop on who looks likely to take the title. Then Chris Bonner stops by to chat some WWE and his thoughts on the upcoming Royal Rumble and how it provides us a glimpse into the biggest wrestling event of the year, WrestleMania. All this plus interviews from this past CES with GoGroove and Accessory Power showing off their wares and Lego giving us a sneak peek at what's to come later this year for them. It's another awesome lineup we have for you, courtesy from our friends at Rob McCallum Films and Retro City Games, as we again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we are here, and again, once again, it is the pop culture cosmos my name is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source and i'm here again with my good friend our comic book expert and the man in the know about everything comic books it's the author of vendetta dark and congratulations you suck and the director of ghost hosters it's josh peterson hey guys it's, it's, it's looking forward to uh, a good conversation all right and we also have a special guest and we hope he comes on uh, in future episodes as well uh, he is the lead singer of the awesome group Hyperschmidt. If you get a chance, check out their work today on YouTube under Hyper and then S-C-H-M-I-T-T or Hyperschmidt.com as well. It's Chad Smith. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm happy to be here. 
Oh, that's awesome. We're happy to have you here as well. Again, this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. We're here at the number one show. And yes, again, we are the number one show on Monday nights on the Podcast Radio Network. We are truly honored and blessed to be the number one show on on the network for Monday nights. Uh, and actually, we're in the top five in overall in that network as well, which has totally overwhelmed us as far as uh, from a surprise standpoint. But we truly appreciate it. And it's a credit to you listeners out there. Uh, we're also available on download on the Tangent Bound Network, the ESO Network, the Gunna Geek Network. We're also available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Mixcloud, and Podcast.com. And if you download our episodes, just to let you know, we appreciate you watching the live showing. But if you like what you hear and you want to download us, or if you miss an episode and you want to download it, you're going to start getting, actually, you have been getting the past couple of weeks, and it's going to continue going forward extra episodes from from everyone that's associated at the pop culture cosmos scene here including maybe some stuff from galaxy far far away as far as uh, game source wine women words guardians of the geek you know a whole bunch of great stuff that we we're adding on to each every episode if you download it every week so we are here uh talking some dc but first chad i want to ask a couple questions in regards to hyperschmidt is concerned how long yes, has the band Oh, well, how long has the band been together and, and what kind of sound are you trying to get to as far as the reach to the masses out there? Because, you know, we're going to be playing an upcoming track, uh, probably my favorite as far as what you guys already have out uh, about to win. And I know there's after all and I can tell, but tell me a little bit more about, you know, what you want to get across to the audience out there with Hypersmith. Um, okay, well, I, I've been doing my thing with Hypersmith for just a little over a year now. I started summer of 2015. Uh, and I, I just, this is kind of like a, an explosion of, of like my mind. So it, it's kind of a fun process that I think people that get to listen will, they'll kind of like really get to see inside my head. And that's like a lot of my battles, you know, a lot of battles with doubt. And so it's like, this has been a story of me kind of overcoming that and, all the pieces of the formula of how I do that is, you know, the only way I know how to talk about that is with music. Honestly, Josh is so good at, at putting words into, uh, you know, into books and to screenplays, but I, I know how to do it with music. So it's, it's cool that I get to uh, kind of tell everyone about the, that process that I kind of came to where I'm now writing everything on my own from the beginning of the song to every instrument in there. Uh, I'm getting to see it through all the way to, the music videos and visuals so it, it's it's a kind of a cool cool brand new thing that wasn't possible i think even two years ago i think uh people didn't have the technology to be able to make music to this like variety uh at their fingertips so it, it's cool to get to utilize the new technology that's out and uh it's, it's a lot of fun it's real messy but it's a lot of fun well i got a chance to listen like i said over the past few days and i'm telling you uh, you've got a fan right here it's oh, it's oh. great music indeed uh, a lot a little bit of edm influence i think it's far from what i can tell uh, you know a lot of synthesize obviously is in there but a great mixture of sounds unique kind of different kind of approachable modern yeah but uh i, I did want to say and i told you this before we went on here i think you're choruses when it really they really strike a high note with with audiences out there and i think that's why well after all if people go to the hyper schmidt 
because you got a two words there, the Hyper Schmidt YouTube channel. They've got the After All track that's hit over 70,000 views on YouTube, and that's that's a big hit indeed. So uh, I want to pay uh, uh, congratulations to you and the band for, for achieving you. that Thank success. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it, was, it was crazy to see, like, that many views pop up on it. I think a lot of people, I think, in Germany actually started liking that. I think a lot of people think I'm a German band because of, you know, the Hyper Schmidt, it sounds – so and that my family was was Schmidt before we came to Ellis Island. So that that kind of is a fun little look into me. I'm Chad Smith. So there's the look from that. But it's uh yeah, it's like the courses are really really important to me. I think that like there's got like I try and write like thirty different songs in my head a day, and if they don't stick around in my head, then I don't think they're worth holding on to. So it's like it's very important. I I thank you so much for saying that about about that. Oh, no worries. And I guess later on, as we finish this segment, we're going to be leading out into the hit song About to Win, which is one of your latest tracks. But first, I want to ask you a little bit about City of Lions. So tell me a little bit more about City of Lions, because I know that's something you're really excited to talk about. Oh, yes. Okay, so City of Lions was my last project that I was in. Me and my buds got together. Um, I was going to start it as... Chad Nathaniel. I think I was just going to call it my name. I couldn't do Chad Smith. That's the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So I just, I, I went by Chad Nathaniel. It was going to be like a solo project. And so I came out with this first uh, record. And, and so the guys, uh, they all came together. They actually all went to school together. And so uh, they, they came on, joined the band and it was cool. We, we kind of started like coming up with these really heavy, we all, we all came from a, a you would call a post-hardcore rock background. So we were all in screamo bands. That's how we started. So I was, I was the, uh, the high vocal singer, not the screamer, but uh, in a band called Amity a while back. And that's kind of where I got my singing start. Mm-hmm. I, I used to not be a singer. I was a drummer, but I tried out for drums for this band, assuming they would have a drum set there. I showed up without any gear. And so they said, well, do you just want to try and sing? And I was like, no, nah, I can't sing. I've got way too high a voice to sing. Like, so give it a try. So anyway, I got to start with them. We both, I met the guys for City of Lions. Uh, they were in a hardcore band and I was in a hardcore band. So we played a show together. And so we kind of got together and brought this really heavy feeling and applied that, that it's a word like fat, you know, the P-H-A-T fat. Uh, but we kind of really utilized that feeling, that heavy feeling and tried to apply it to a more electronic or more rocking sound. And so what Hyperschmidt has done is First of all, I'm I'm communication is one of the biggest things I need to work on. So in the creative field, to be able to explain my ideas to other people is is can be a, just a horrible mess for me. So what I think I'm doing with Hyperschmidt is I'm I'm really starting to understand how frequency, frequencies work. And so the thing I love about a synthesizer and the thing that they have these days is synthesizers can really give you that texture that a guitar can but one synthesizer can give you that texture and also your tones so it can give you your bass and a texture of an electric guitar but you have complete control over how much of the mix is is going in so as as guitars are a lot fatter they take up a lot more uh so that's why i often find the need to not use guitars for my big and you know i like to i like to rock out you can tell with with oh yes Definitely. And it's a great, um, it's a great sound indeed. But, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are now, once they listen to this song, they're going to find, want to find out 
more about what Hyperschmidt has to offer. So, you know, can they can we talk about maybe an album or 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 where can somebody find out more information? Maybe do you have, do you have a, a record contract as of yet, or or what's what are the plans going uh, in as far as for people who want to follow Hyperschmidt? For people that want to follow Hyperschmidt, Hyperschmidt right now I would call is in its beta. So this is a kind of a really cool opportunity that people kind of get to to jump on because I've, I'm not talking to any labels right now. I'm really trying to focus on on finding my sound, and I, I've been I've been finding the sound lately, and that's what's been just like exciting me and you know driving me forward so quickly is I'm definitely finding something. I'm like I'm I'm finding something, and I don't know what it is, and that's what makes it worth finding. But you know, as I as I start to uncover it more and more, I start finding what this is. So. It's people are kind of getting this opportunity to see myself. I'm releasing songs as singles because I, every song I'm I'm not trying to follow a feeling. I'm not trying to follow a uh, like a, a motif necessarily for this first album. But I'm going to pack it, be packaging up probably these next six or seven songs that I release, um, and just kind of saying, okay, that's that's that season. You know, that season is done. I go through seasons of writing, and I write these songs, and I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, I love this. And then all of a sudden I go, I can't write any more songs right now. Oh, no, I'm never going to be able to write a song ever again. Oh, no, this is, you know, I'm, I failed as a songwriter. And then, but that was a season that I needed to learn something else. Oh, so, no worries. No, you know I, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely, indeed. That, and that's definitely a unique way to approach it. In fact, you know, more video games and, and more season, you know, televisions out there, they're, they're approaching that type of hmm, season concept. As far as the concern. Yeah. So I can definitely see this correlating to that as far as being segmented out and rationed little bit, little by little out to the audience. So they'll, they'll want even more. It's, it's definitely a great sound indeed. There's a lot of great, uh, uh, rich, full, fullness to the, to the music that you've got there. Um, they, there, I know, like I said, on your site itself, it has, uh, after all, I can tell and also as well, it does have Fighting Eyes in a live version. So if you want to check that out right away, folks, their YouTube channel is Hyperschmidt. That's H-Y-P-E-R-S-C-H-M-I-T-T or go to Hyperschmidt.com. So we're Thank talking... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just want to throw a fun fact about Hyperschmidt. The word doesn't exist. So if you just type in Hyperschmidt into Google, you'll find everything about, about the music. It pops right up. Yes, it indeed. It pops right on up. Yes, uh, indeed. So it's really easy to find. There's, there's no reason not to, not to be able to find it. It's, it's <laughs> great music. Indeed. It's hyper Schmidt. And I've got Chad Smith, the lead singer on with us right now, along with my good friend, Josh Peterson. It's the pop culture cosmos. And now we're talking some DC as far as I know, Josh, especially if you heard last week's episode is really maybe not always the biggest fan of the way DC runs its universe. And, it, you know, we talked a lot at, at length of, you know, regarding the DC movie universe. And we've talked in the past about, about uh, the rising interest, and the rising costs of, of the comic book industry as whole. But Josh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about something that's happened with the DC rebirth issues that have recently come out. Yeah, they're uh, they're robbing people. They're they just announced <laughs> that, <laughs> that there's not really any. Tell us how you really feel. It. Blunt. Yeah. Well, okay. So comic books. We we talked about this before. Comic book prices are rising. They're, you know, they started out as two ninety nine. They're going up to three ninety nine. Some are even going up to four ninety nine. Um, it's and it's right now. It's a difficult time to be a collector because we you know people who collect comic books don't have a lot of money and that's really like their only vice is 
comic books. So that's what they okay, go. Hold on, real quick. Can I can I make an interjection, real quick? Yes. I kind of have an interesting perspective from the outsider because I'm not necessarily a comic book reader, but I almost see this as kind of a cool opportunity with like everything on the internet going on. Isn't this like a cool opportunity for comic books to kind of get more refined and you know kind of become more of a like less of like oh that's just a comic book and more like oh like these are nice comic books like they're still on print you know i feel like that's becoming almost a rarity these days so like a a, a comic book becoming a fine wine is that <laughs> <laughs> you just leave it there just don't touch it you have to wait five years well, to read it well one thing that as we've noted before in past episodes that it's been a recent trend is obviously the trend towards digital formats and I know right. Marvel, especially over the holidays, really heavily pushed, especially with Doctor Strange being released in theaters, heavily pushed their their Marvel Universe being able to have access with their Marvel subscriptions as far as from a digital standpoint. And I, I, I know DC is obviously thinking in that along those lines as well. Is that something maybe that they're trying to do is push people towards that digital forum? Uh, I mean, I, I can see them trying to save money like that, but it, it's never really been a problem before. Maybe... The idea of going to digital, it could save the company money on printing, but at the same time, like you have a core group of collectors who likes to physically hold their things. And like with the with these DC comics, their their rebirth titles have been selling really well because they kinda of, what they do is they relaunch they pretty much relaunch the DC universe, but since the the titles are doing so well, they're raising the price. And I just looked online to see like if you can get them cheaper digitally and they're they're still two ninety nine digitally, so I mean maybe mm. that price that one dollar price bump is trying to push them over to digital comics. Marvel, you can get everything cheaper. Like Marvel, you buy a digital comic for like twenty five cents, so it's not. I don't. DC's not really like a big thing, and as far as mm. a digital presence goes, so it's also the collection aspect that you're not going to get with electronic. Exactly. To the to that physical con, you know, like maybe like okay, I'm paying a dollar more for this comic, but hey, the front page is holographic. But maybe to DC uh, and Marvel it's not that important anymore that you they worry about the physical copies as far as from a collector standpoint because I understand that the collectors are the, always going to be that continuous audience for them, but with the rising costs of paper and obviously ink and things of that nature, you know, I Give the example of the newspaper and ma- magazine industries, you know, has fallen on, on yeah. hard times because uh, of the cost of, you know, doing business through through that through that medium. And then also with the advent of the Internet exploding the way it has, it's created a whole different universe from a journalist. Exactly. Standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I know I know people that, are, you know, at the, the like comic books and say, you know, oh, there's just something about, you know, the 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 pages, you know, turning the pages. But this next generation, are, you know, are they going to care about that? Or are they just going to be completely content with it on an iPad? People may just be more inclined to go ahead and read off an iPad as far as the latest editions of, of Superman and The Flash and uh, Doctor Strange and the Avengers and whatnot, instead of worrying about whether or not they have to, to go down to their comic book store and pick up that latest edition there. I, I get it from that point, and I get it economically. It's just, it's just. Have you ever been to Comic Con? Like, can you imagine how depressing that would be? Like, if everything was digital, like all those booths that sell just stacks and stacks of comic books. What would be there? Like, what? Well, they're well, just making VR collectibles, and it'll be all collectibles. <laughs> I'm just going to say this: I never hear about people picking up that awesome comic book at Comic Con. What do I hear them picking up? Collectibles. 
collectibles mm. and more collectibles. You always have that one guy who's like creepily standing next to the uh, hentai salesman, making sure no one's looking at him. Uh, not, not, not me. Definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just. I think I was gonna say how much fun it would be to have uh, once they start having virtual reality comic sections. That's how. I, that's how. That's how I see uh, the future of Comic Con. That's amazing as far as idea to put graphic novels within that context to strap on a, a VR helmet and be able to to view a a various graphic novel or comic book through that medium would be uh, I think it's a definite part of the future if if VR well, there's really stills kicks already. in. Yeah. yeah. With every the scene takes place and then freezes you can walk around look at you know kind of inspect this whole 3D scene that's going on. That's oh. something I'd like to see. Oh yeah, absolutely, indeed. So, Josh, if if you're running DC, and let's not talk about the movies, if you're running, running DC, yes, if 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 you're running DC, what would you do to try to impact as far as sales from a physical end for the comic book industry? I mean, if they want to sell more digital copies, like I would make them cheaper, like give them a DC subscription service, do the uh, you know, offer the digital copy at a cheaper price than the paper copy because right now DC offers their digital copies at the same exact price as what they're selling in paper. So there's not really any incentive to go out and buy uh, digital copies, which is why the whole raising the paper copies a dollar doesn't make any sense to me. Is that just the company saying, you know, raising their white flag and saying, okay, we, you know, we surrender, like, this is it, like, we're the internet is just as important as paper at this point, as far as we see. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Cause you know, like, like what you were talking about, thanks to the internet, we can do things that we've never been able to do before. Like, uh, pe- you know, people can f- make music, they can make movies. They don't need help to do this any- anymore. And maybe, uh, DC, like DC and Marvel, like both should be afraid of the uh, oncoming, uh, of indie, comic publishers because there's a lot of people who couldn't do this before now have the technology at their fingertips to release their own comic books, to sell their own comic books, to market their own comic Mm -hmm. books. It's the same principle with movies. Like, uh, you know, the day that a Marvel blockbuster hit flops, then that could very well uh, cause a lot of damage in the film industry. So that'll just, you know, the future of movies I'm sent, like Spielberg said, is in the hands of the indie creators well marvel's with disney now so that's a whole other discussion as to whether uh disney is can fail and one day disney will own the world actually disney will fight apple for world domination oh that's so good i see it (laughs) and on that note again this is the pop culture cosmos you've got a great show lined up for you today you know coming up right after the break Actually, I've got an interview lined up with uh, GoGroove and Accessory Power from CES 2017 I did. Plus, also later on, I've got one with Lego that you'll also want to hear. Charles Smith will be stopping by from Inside Sports. We'll be talking the latest as far as what's going on in the NFL. And Chris Bonner at the back end will also be talking the WWE Royal Rumble. Exactly what are his thoughts on, on the outcome of that and then also exactly where this will lead towards WrestleMania coming up later in a couple months from now. So it's a great episode we got here today, but to kick things off before the break, we've got Hyper Schmidt's awesome song, their latest oh single boy. from Chad Smith, 
who I want to again thank you so much for being a part of the program. Oh, goodness, it's my pleasure, sir. Should we clarify that this is not the drummer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yes, let's clarify that right now. But yeah, you know, Baba Baba Baba. Indeed. Uh, that's Josh Schmidt from Hyper Schmidt. Catch all their great stuff on YouTube at Hyper, S-C-H-M-I-T-T. That's hyperschmidt.com or Hyperschmidt on YouTube. You'll catch all their great singles. We're actually going to be playing some of them over the next few weeks here on the Pop Culture Cosmos, so stay tuned for that as well. But if you want to check out their stuff right away, it's hyperschmidt.com and Hyperschmidt on YouTube. But to give you a taste right now, it's about to win from Hyperschmidt. Waiting just to see the light. When did this become a fight? Struggle just to fill my lungs with air. Staring at the finish line. The darkness running out of time. I'll do what it takes to get you
This is Travis from Ghost Coasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. What's up, guys? It's Rob McCallum, host of The Trenches. If you don't know what that is, well, I'm going to tell you. Every now and then, I call up friends, colleagues, and sometimes people I don't even know and chat with them for an hour or so. It's all unscripted, unedited, and unpredictable. Why should you care? Well, if you're a creative person like me, you'll get to hear unbelievable and incredible stories because the one through line that connects all my guests is that they make their living doing something creative in the trenches. Get it? So from filmmakers to animators to action figure sculptors and authors, we talk with a lot of folks, and no one has the same story. So check out The Trenches here on the Pop Culture Cosmos or on iTunes. Up next is my trip to see what's cooking at the Go Groove and Accessory Power Booth at this year's CES. And we're back again live at CES 2017. This is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos. How you doing out there? It's just so great to be back here again. And I'm here at Accessory Power and Go Groove. And who better can, that can tell me about the great products here at Accessory Power and Go Groove than Darren Riger? How are you, sir? I'm good. We're here at the Go Groove booth. We were first in the game with the Bluetooth FM transmitter. We've been doing them for around seven years. We have many different models, and the staple of our line is the FlexSmart X2. Okay. Uh, many, many thousands of units on this guy. Um, you'll see thousands of reviews on them. Uh, we continuously innovate, so this is not the same model that it started off like seven years ago. Uh, we just released the one that's got multi-point technology in it. What does that mean? It means that you can connect two phones to the FlexSmart X2, and you and your passenger can switch off. So even if you have a car that has Bluetooth already, now you can switch off. You don't have to pair two. Also, you pick up a friend. He gets in the car. You can't pair them up because you're driving. You can't pair your phone till you stop. So with the FlexSmart X2, you just got to pair once. You can take it from car to car. You can put it in your rental car. You can put it in your luggage. Take it with you. It's really simple. It's got the play controls right on the front of it. So you can adjust volume, play, forward, back. You can take and answer calls. So any of the states that you're in that don't allow you to pick up your phone, this is a perfect addition that allows you to answer and end calls and make sure you don't get a ticket. You can also charge your phone right from it. We have it in a large version and a small version, depending on the fit of your car. We know that cigarette lighters, sometimes even in the center console, you need a little bit smaller one. Exactly. I mean, uh, the FlexSmart, the larger version would be made for a minivan or an SUV, whereas the mini version may be for a compact car or vehicle such as that. Exactly. I know the blue sync upon your presentation was really something that you guys wanted to focus on as far as Bluetooth speakers are concerned. Is that correct? Yeah. The blue sync RGD is probably one of our best-selling Bluetooth speakers. We've had it for a while, but we keep bringing it back because it's so popular. Um, It's IPX4. It's splash-proof. You can take it in the shower, get water on it. It's not fully submersible. You don't want to drop it in the pool, but it is very, very rugged. So it's got this really thick outer rubber casing. So this is impact resistance metal loop to protect the volume knob. It's got rubber basically all over it. This covers the power ports and the switches and your AUX in. And the big thing about this is it sounds really good. So for waterproof Bluetooth speakers, 
they sound pretty bad, actually. Yes. The driver technology is because different. They, they focus on the durability yeah. of the product and the actual product itself. Yeah, the cones are not uh, necessarily paper. You know, you've ever ripped a speaker? Yes. Uh, like a big bass speaker, you poke a hole right through it? It's because speakers are paper. They, they reverberate the sound through that type of material. And when you get the waterproof material, it's a bit different to be able to make it waterproof. So what this does, it sounds good. It's got a passive woofer right in the middle and stereo right in the middle uh, and stereo driver. So it's not just one driver, stereo drivers, passive woofer, and it just sounds really good. It's got your call controls and everything on the top and you have the volume knob. Oh, that's right awesome, but definitely indeed. Our crown jewels right now are our Scoria headset. Okay. Um, so this headset is virtual 7.1. It means you plug it in by USB and it has software that converts any audio that you have into 7.1. Very nice. Um, so, of course, these that technology is on the market, right? The big thing about ours is this is a very high quality headset. It's got 40 millimeter drivers. It's got the metal frame. It's got the super thick padding on the ear cups. And we try these. We have gamers working at our company, and we also sponsor multiple college uh, gaming teams. They give us feedback on all our products. So we want to make sure that this is workable. You get that direct two-way uh, uh, interaction right away from yes. them. Uh, before something ever comes out to market, we're testing them, not just ourselves, but we're sending them out to influencers like yourself. We're sending them <laughs> to uh, gaming teams to get hands-on uh, feedback so that we can make sure that this is as perfect as possible. Awesome. And we also, as well, always continuously upgrading and innovating the products. So uh, we had our H2. We now have the H2 Pro 7.1. Um, but the big thing about this guy is the vibration in the ear, uh, ear cups. So it has vibration engines in both ear cups. Also not a new thing, but the big thing is it was a novelty before. Either people loved it or hated it. It was too little or too much. So the big thing we did is we innovated this controller. This controller lets you adjust the vibration. So you can dial it in just the way that you like it. As well as being able to change the color of the ear cups, color selectable, match your setup, or color changing. And it's got play controls, which nobody else has. So you're listening to Spotify, VLC player, Windows Media, Pandora, whatever your music player of choice is, you can change tracks or press play pause right from the controller. That's nice, very nice indeed. So, the reason you don't want to use earbuds for gaming is, right, it's not a full sound experience. It doesn't immerse you in the game as much as a big headset does. So what we did is we have those engines in the earbuds. They actually vibrate. And that little bit of vibration in the earbud is a lot of vibration in your ear. So it does feel like you're wearing a full headset. So the best thing is you have this sound in your pocket. So you can take that wherever you go. It's got the headset connection to it really long so you can plug it in the back of the computer you're not having to tilt your head or be in an awkward position and when you're done with your pc you disconnect it you can connect to your phone your tablet your laptop even your vr when you're watching your movies on your vr connect the vibration earbuds so that you can watch movies and get the full theater experience some of the other things that we're really excited to talk about is we've really upped our game on our gaming equipment so uh, we're one of the first ones to kind of offer a middle range of gaming products, and now we're getting to the higher end stuff. If you check our packaging, 
you can find out more about each product and which type of games that it works for. So you don't have to guess, like, do I need the $80 keyboard or do I need the $20 keyboard? Exactly. Which one works best for Dota 2? Yes. Which one works best for Overwatch? So you're working, et cetera, et cetera. You're, you're playing MMO, MOBA, you're going to want the, the one that works for those. This one's for Stealth FPS. Because you wanted that 7.1, you want to hear somebody sneaking up behind you so that you know where the gunfire's coming from. Exactly. And then our brand new addition is our new gaming hub. These are really great because you can plug all your stuff in. So it's a hub and a bungee. You save some space on your desk. You create a place where you can plug in all your peripherals and you keep your mouse from dragging anywhere. So the worst thing that could happen is you're playing a game, right? And you get your cord caught on the edge of the desk. Oh yeah. No more. So these are becoming really popular. If you're gaming with a gaming mouse that's wired, um, you definitely want one of these. Well, it's definitely been a great pleasure indeed to speak to you, Darren, about, about all the great things here at GoGroove and Accessory Power. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to speak to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We truly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos scene. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. For more information on all the great products from GoGroove and Accessory Power, check out their pages today at gogroove.com and accessorypower.com. Hey, this is Chad from Hyperschmidt, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. And we're back here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source telling you thank you so much for listening to us out there. If you get a chance, check us out, Pop Culture Cosmos, on Facebook. And we truly appreciate you listening to to us on the Podcast Radio Network. Or if you're downloading this episode, we truly appreciate it as well on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Podcast.com, Google Play, or the ESO Network, the Tangent Bound Network, and the Gunna Geek Network as well. We truly appreciate it. And for those downloaders, you get an extra episode of Pop Culture Cosmo Goodness coming your way as well. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the super, I mean, the, the big game. You can't say it's super, you know, you know what I mean. The big game is coming, uh, and the two combatants are ready to rock and roll um, the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots. So it's Matt Ryan versus Tom Brady in, in a high octane matchup indeed. And who better to talk about the impending matchup here coming up soon than Charles Smith of Inside Sports. Charles, it's great having you on. I just wanted to ask about the NFC Championship game, your thoughts on how bad the Green Bay performance was and how good Atlanta's offense really made it out to be. All right, life is good. Just watched the championship games, which were a little bit disappointing yesterday, but I think it should be a fantastic uh, NFL championship game in a couple of weeks. Well, I'll tell you this, with Atlanta, and this has kind of been a slow burn, and you'll see, I'm completely on the Matty Ice bandwagon now, and if you look at any previous shows I've done over the years, I've followed him since he came in, and what I've always said is the ice melts when the lights get hot. But now, here he is, Dan Quinn is the head coach. Dan Quinn was the architect of the Seattle Seahawks championship defense before he became head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Now you see Matty Ice is playing with renewed confidence, and the Atlanta Falcons defense, which was always a, a weak spot, 
Now they're not a great defense, but they can get in on you. They can make big plays. They got Vic Beasley coming off the edge. They got good active linebackers, and I think he's infused that, uh, Quinn has, into that defense. So now Atlanta, this is the most complete Atlanta Falcons team of the Matt Ryan era. And Matt Ryan, you know, what can you say about the offense with Julio Jones? 24 nothing at the half, and then the 31 nothing after he hits Julio Jones coming out of the break. What was that? Two minutes into the second half, but you know the, the Packers. Um, this is they're in a tough situation because the team, that, especially defensively, they're not that strong, and then they had a bunch of injuries. So take it from someone who's been a Dolphins fan for many years. I watched the Dan Marino era, and really, Aaron Rodgers having that same kind of career. The only difference is the one Super Bowl trip he made. They did win that game, but other than that, you got a great quarterback and a lot of deficiencies around him. But with him, you always have a chance. And there you see the Packers, they just ran out of steam. And also, I wanted to hear what you had to say about the AFC Championship game, which really, for a while, looked like it was going to be competitive. But it really came down to New England pulling away in the second half. The Steelers' offense was just kind of bogged down. Losing Le'Veon Bell didn't help at all. Obviously, I think he only had six carries. But the Steelers just, it looked like they didn't come to play. They were out of sync. Uh, it was only 17 to nine at the half, but then the Patriots come out 16 unanswered points in the third quarter, and it's a good night, 33 to nine going into the fourth. So it was all over, but the shouting. So, with all that said, Charles, what are your thoughts on exactly who is going to win the Super Bowl coming up very soon? Uh, what I look at is we look at New England's path, and um, one of the things I always say about teams is. You just have to beat the team that's in front of you. Now, you could say that New England, first they play Houston, which is a team without a quarterback. Then they play Pittsburgh, which is a team that didn't have their star running back. But still, we can't really – got to be careful about saying that New England shouldn't be there because they actually do deserve to be there. But matchup-wise, really, um, I haven't – you know, just been a couple of – you know, just last night since it started or ended, rather – but I'm leaning really towards uh, Atlanta if they continue doing what they're doing. And I think the only caveat here is, will Matt Ryan, if he falls into the Matt Ryan of old, which we saw in the last, the previous uh, one or two or three seasons, where he just gets nervous under the lights, then New England will make short work of him. But if they keep on executing like the way they are, uh, I like Atlanta's chances and Really, I think this is Matty Ice 2.0 here, so I'm really leaning heavily towards Atlanta. Even if they take Julio Jones out of the equation, remember you got Tyler Gabriel there at wide receiver, and then you also got Mohamed Sanu, who was rescued, or excuse me, rescued from purgatory in Cincinnati and is now thriving. But also Devonta Freeman is a great running back, and that's one thing we didn't see this weekend was any great play as far as the running backs. I think the Top running back was uh, LeGarrette Blunt for New England. I think he had 16 carries for like 47 yards or something like that. So the run game was really kind of anemic, so everyone was able to do it through the air. If things get bogged down, who will be able to run better? Uh, I think that Atlanta, you know, they got us. They got a good offensive line. I think they can they can get the edge there. And I, you know, but look at the wide receivers on both sides. You got you know Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola and Chris Hogan. Comes out of nowhere, nine catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns. So, yeah, it's not going to be easy. Nobody rolls over a Belichick team. You know, and when we look at the ground game, though, we got Devonta Freeman over there with Atlanta, but still, LeGarrette Blunt and Deion Lewis, 
for New England. That's another factor there. So I say all in all, this is going to be a terrific Super Bowl. And I think that where we, what we've always seen is they say defense wins championships, and that's what it comes down to. A lot of the high-octane offenses, they get bogged down in big games. So it comes down to the defensive stops. And I think with the uh, with Dan Quinn and his philosophies there, having put together, like I said, that Seattle defense, I think the uh, the Atlanta defense should be equal to the task. And like I said, with Beasley there and with Dwight Freeney, not even though he's not an every-down type guy, but the stability he offers, much like Jared Allen offered to the uh, Carolina Panthers defense last year, um, that kind of just solidifies everything. So you got a good group there. And, you know, I, I just I like their chances, even though Atlanta kind of came out of nowhere this year to get where they are. But, uh, hey, everything clicked, and, you know, they've, they're just playing well, and I like I, – I give them an edge right here. Oh, that's a great opinion indeed. Charles, it's been a pleasure having you on. Please let everyone know out there, how can they hear more about all the great stuff you're doing for Inside Sports? Okay, thank you. Uh, thanks for the props there. But, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at the Inside Sports, or there's my website is officialinsidesports.com. But uh, easiest to follow on Twitter at the Inside Sports. I put up a lot of good highlights there. And anytime I do any shows or write articles, because I do NFL football talk every week during the season and then uh, all the way through the playoffs. So that's up on uh, on Vimeo. So in print or webcast or whatever on Twitter, I'm there, at the Inside Sports. Charles, it's been a great pleasure indeed. We want to thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks again. And check out Charles Smith's work today on Inside Sports, where you can catch on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be right back with Chris Bonner sharing his thoughts on the WWE's upcoming Royal Rumble. So what was the most popular children's building block maker doing at CES this year? We stopped by the Lego booth to find out. And we are back live once again from CES 2017. We are here with Rune with Lego. And they've got a great new product, which has won a great deal of awards right here and a lot of acclaim. It's Lego Boost. So Rune, thanks again for joining us on the Pop Culture Cosmos. So Lego Boost is this new product from Lego where kids can build, code, and play with uh, Lego models. So we have uh, this set. It starts from uh, seven years old. And they can build uh, five different models from the same set. Okay. Uh, we have a uh, the robot, you can see here. Oh, that's awesome. So you can be your little robotic clown. So, so there's a lot of variations that you can create. Like you said, five five different different creations in one that you can make with Lego Boost. Is that correct? Yes. So, so you talked about how as far as they make music, you've got a robotic friend that obviously does uh, a little bit more than just obviously is a great design. It obviously does a lot more than that. So tell me, how does it incorporate as far as the technology that we have today? So uh, we call it boost bricks. Okay. Uh, we have the move hub, which has uh, two internal motors, and also a tilt sensor, so it knows its orientation. Okay. Then we have a third motor here, and then we have the sensor that sees uh, color and distance. Okay. And then that incorporates as far as with uh, a software app, is that correct? Yes. So uh, let me just go a little bit out here of the app, and then you can see how it looks in the beginning. Okay. Rune's holding a tablet, just to let you know right now, and he's actually controlling it as far as an app that's been downloaded onto the tablet. Um, Android and iOS compatible, I'm yes. assuming? Yes. that's good to hear. That's correct. So uh, here we have uh, the, the main lobby. This is where the kids can 
can uh, select what model they want to build. Then we have all the building instructions in the in the app, and they, we made this journey where the kids they build up the capabilities of what the model can do over time. Oh, that's awesome! So if we go into burning uh, the robots uh, activities, first you're gonna build them. We haven't made that yet, so I can't show you that. But, oh, no worries. Uh, then we can show you uh, some of the activities here. We uh, go into a shooting activity. And then uh, it starts out really simple with only a few coding blocks. And then over time you're gonna get more and more of these blocks. Okay. And uh, the robot can do more and more. So here we usually give the kids a little challenge of uh, dragging these blocks up. This is this drag and drop interface. Press and play. Oh, nice. And then uh, the robot moves. Ah, very good, very good indeed. So not only do kids 7 to 12 at the recommended ages get that sense of accomplishment of creating something, they can actually see it perform an action, correct? Exactly. Oh, so that's awesome. It's really about building something in the digital uh, world. So, yeah, Lego was pretty awesome for building things in the physical world, but then we're using the coding for building up behaviors for the models. Oh. And it's, uh, it's really up for the kids to decide if their robot is, uh, is having a lot of attitude, or if it's really friendly. Oh, so yeah, okay. So, so can you, you can actually uh, uh, actually make sure if it played different styles as far as it's concerned, the, the robots can act, like you said, a little angry, happy, whatnot. We have this place here called the Free Play. Okay. This is where you, uh, as you go on and get more and more blocks, they all start here. So it accumulates all the blocks. Oh, and okay. And yeah, I put up already a few uh, little things that we say. So here he is, chooses himself. He's asking you for a question. I don't know if you can hear it. Oh, nice. Nice indeed. And then if, uh, I say, yeah, my name is Luna. That's a nice name. And this is, uh, this is of course, just me controlling in this case. But uh, you, we can set up uh, that he should respond to uh, sound. Or he should respond to uh, you moving him and so on. And, um, of course, this is just uh, some stock phrases that we put in. They can also record their own sounds. And that's what where it's really get fun, and the kids can have a lot of great too. Oh, definitely, indeed. As someone who has daughters at nine and eleven, believe me, they would have a lot of fun with this, indeed. So, you obviously, you said this is still—I um, don't want to say in a concept phase, but it's still under construction, as Lego yes. would say. So, how uh, soon, or maybe, what is the projected date if everything all goes well? Um, how soon will Lego Boost hit the marketplace? In uh, August this year. Okay. It's going to be available um, in, uh, in uh, some parts of the world, in America. It's going to retail for $159. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Rune, I want to thank you so much for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Lego Boost Likes definitely looks like a great product indeed. So many different ways you can actually be creative and actually go ahead and, and have your kids do something really productive in creating a blend between actual construction and great technology. Well, thank you very much, Rune, for your time. Appreciate you it. Much. And so much. And uh, thanks again for being a part of CES 2017 with Pop Culture Cosmos. Look for the Lego Boost Kit, recommended for ages 7 to 12, to hit store shelves later this year. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey, everyone. The Podcast Radio Network needs your help to stay on the air. Changing financial trends have caused a network that gave the PCC its first chance to air into some challenging times, and we are asking, hopefully, for your help today. Just go to the Podcast Radio Network's Facebook page and click on the Donate button, 
as even the smallest of donations would be a great assistance to keeping the network on the air. Thanks so much for your time and kind donation from all of us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, as we and the Podcast Radio Network truly appreciate all your help. And we're back again for the final segment of Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source talking to you out there. We truly appreciate you being part of the program. And I've got here today the main man when it comes to the WWE. It is Chris Bonner. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Gerald. Doing good. How are you? Uh, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, looking forward to a great, great. Uh, uh, upcoming matches when it concerns the Royal Rumble, which is one of the major and marquee cards of the year for the World Wrestling Entertainment, as far as it leading as a as a key component and a key cog as far as that trip down to WrestleMania. Who are your picks so far for the Royal Rumble, and how do you see as far as the outcome is concerned? As of right now, because we got favorites like The Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, Bill Goldberg, Braun Strowman. I'm looking at some of the odds that are out there. Really, those seem to be like the favorites. But, you know, ever there's there could be a lot of other individuals in play as far as Dean Ambrose is concerned. Uh, also, as well, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt. Uh, those are some of the names that have been announced so far that really look like major contenders to win the Royal Rumble, being that it usually is a good kickoff for the winner towards the the main event at WrestleMania. What are your thoughts as far as initially who might prevail in the big Royal Rumble? The biggest thing with the Royal Rumble, 30 men enter and you know 29 leave, only one stands. And out of all those people... You want to make sure it's someone who's going to make a big presence in the WWE, both at WrestleMania and just because they're already in one of the biggest events in you know history, the Royal Rumble. Everyone knows that name. Having big names like Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, uh, Chris Jericho, The Undertaker, amazing, amazing fighters, and they've been around for the longest time. But I don't know how much longer they can last compared to you know the younger ones like Seth Rollins. Uh, Xavier Woods, um, Luke Harper, and Bray Wyatt. I think those are the better contenders to see people or to see better matches in the uh, WrestleMania. Well, I, I know I know a lot of their their industry is predicated off not just those shows that everyone sees out there and and Raw and SmackDown and whatnot, mm-hmm. but since they tour over two hundred and well, let's say 50 odd days a year, there's a lot of house shows that that they actually gain a lot of revenue from. And they, for the most part, should have a champion that tours along with it. Now, for a time, they use Brock Lesnar as their world champion yeah. and as the person who held their title and was a part-time champion because he never really did house shows of any kind. But I'm my question to you is, you know, what, would you put the title in the hands of a marquee name or would you put it in the hands of someone who's going to be there for the WWE on a regular basis? I would honestly put it to someone who's going to be there 24-7, bend over backwards for the WWE. I mean, look at the two champions now, AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. Both wanted all the marbles, and so they put all their marbles in the game, and now they have the championship. To make sure that they're going to stay they need to have someone that they can commit to and, and actually keeps coming every single Monday and every single Friday. And, you know, every house show 
that's out there. They need to make sure that there's someone that can, you know, play the regular roles. Just, you know, here's a regular fight to build up a rivalry and the championship roles when, you know, pay-per-views come by or if they throw a, a championship match in the middle of a week. You know, they want to be able to show all of that at any given time. Someone like Brock Lesnar or The Undertaker that can only show up once a month, maybe once every other month, it's it's hard to, you know, say, hey, let's, you know, build up this rivalry when he's not here for the next month and a half. What about those individuals that you and I have both seen uh, become marquee names in one of their, you know, self-created promotions, which was, you know, it's just primarily a development promotion, but there are individuals there who, you know, obviously didn't need that much in development, but have garnered a big name across independent organizations. And I'm talking about Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura. So they're, they're great uh, fighters. I give them 100% of their credibility, and I love them, especially for the fighting that they do, you know, in their respective fields. The WWE, being the biggest wrestling entertainment show in the world not even just the united states anymore that's you know every bro every uh pay-per-view is broadcasted in i think like 18 different languages now over across uh dozens of countries the international fighters that are going to come in and they're going to make a big impact i really do want to see them succeed i just don't know if this is the time for them to succeed royal rumble is is just a little too close to WrestleMania. I think that, you know, SummerSlam or something around there, that's where they can start building their name in the WWE. Now, the major, major title matches that are on there uh, are going to feature uh, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns for the Universal title, and then also yeah. AJ Styles versus John Cena for his WWE championship. Those are the title matches currently on the queue for Royal Rumble is concerned. What are your thoughts as far as who may prevail and will they take the titles on both occasions all the way to WrestleMania? So I'll start with the, the Universal Championship with Kevin Owens uh, defending it against Roman Reigns. I, I've always been a supporter of Roman Reigns, and that's maybe a fan, you know, opposite. You know, he's not, you know, the, always the most popular person out there, but I stick to him because I, I always kind of agree with what he has to stand for. In that fight... I think Roman Reigns has a shot at winning this and keeping it uh, all the way till um, till WrestleMania. And it's not just because I'm a fan of him, but I think as a fighter, it seems like Kevin Owens is about to lose his, his chance and maybe either get a rematch at WrestleMania or Elimination Chamber or something. But I think Roman Reigns is going to win it on Sunday and then move from there. Now... You know, that, that again, may be an unpopular opinion, but I'm just saying what I think. Now, as far as the heavyweight title, AJ Styles versus John Cena, so that is... when you're talking about John Cena versus AJ Styles, AJ Styles obviously has, has you know, worked extremely hard at, to overcome uh, a lot of misconceptions in regards to his character, in regards to his promo ability, and in regards to his stature within the industry, he, he's made himself into a top-level wrestler as well and garnered and deserved you know, the recognition that he's gotten. Is it too early to take away that way as far as it's concerned to someone who may, may or may not be, again, and there's an ongoing theme, someone who's not be able to commit to the WWE on a full-time basis? When he's going up against John Cena like that, I want to say John Cena is going to win this. 
but I agree he's not going to be able to commit all the time to it. I think it's best to keep AJ Styles into this title and have him go all the way to WrestleMania and show his up and coming that way. I feel that he would be a great act, not not just a wrestler, but in, in general, his performances, his ability to to get the crowd hyped. I think he's going to keep the title all the way to WrestleMania and that will keep their ratings up. That's going to be great for WWE for business. Well, it's been great having you on and hearing your thoughts on the upcoming Royal Rumble. Uh, we look forward to hearing your analysis once the event is done for next week's episode. I'm glad uh, that you're going to be able to bring that insight into the WWE as far as it's concerned. And uh, it'd be uh, very interesting how it plays out. The Royal Rumble definitely is one of the most interesting matches of the year, whether or not uh, you know people have their opinions on whether WrestleMania or SummerSlam or, or Survivor Series is better. The Royal Rumble provides a different, as far as look at the WWE, and it usually has, has a tendency to gain a lot of buzz. I know uh, probably one of the, the best Royal Rumble matches ever was Ric Flair winning the WWE title back in 92. That, that you know, it's the 25th anniversary of that. So maybe they're going to try and do something similar in order to honor his, his uh, quest at that period of time. I know as far as it's concerned, the WWE Royal Rumble is still one of the major steps towards WrestleMania, and it'll be very interesting to hear your analysis next week once the show is done. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, Chris, any last thoughts as far as it's concerned before we uh, get on out? Everyone, watch the Royal Rumble. That's the biggest thing I can uh, promote. Uh, Definitely, indeed. So for Chris Bonner, this is Gerald Glassford. We truly appreciate you listening. If you have any questions, please give us a, a line uh, on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos, at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter, or send us an email, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We truly appreciate you listening to the program. Thanks for delving into the Pop Culture Cosmos with us. It's another beautiful day in paradise, and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks for downloading this episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. As a special bonus, we're adding on the first episode of the Double J Filmcast, which starts right now. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. to the Double J Filmcast. I am Josh, your host number one, and this is the uh, man your grandmother's warned you about, Justin. Hello. Um, let's see, what's what's good in film news today? Uh, Spider-Man, the animated film, they just announced would will feature Miles Morales. So, yeah, so uh, his for those of you who don't know who Miles Morales is, his first appearance in the Spider-Man universe was back in 2011 during Ultimate Fallout 4, which happens after the death of Peter Parker, which uh, isn't you know permanent because nothing in comic books is permanent. Um, and can let, let, can you guess how Miles Morales got his power? If you were to uh, just 
throw something Did out there. Did he touch Peter Parker's body and it transferred? Mm, no. Did he drink Peter Parker's blood? No. Was he bitten by a radioactive mm, spider? Ding! That's oh, it, yeah. That I is mean, original. I mean, they're, they're talking about, like, breaking, you know, racial barriers with Miles Morales, but he got his powers while breaking into Oscorp. So, I mean, I don't want to point that out or anything, but I kind of just did. So, anyways, <laughs> next topic. Uh, Guillermo del Toro has been a... He's a famously busy man who's always starting things and, I mean... Never finishing I, them. You know, we don't know if he's not finishing them. They might just be taking him forever to do. But he's an excellent filmmaker, great writer, great director, great producer. Uh, he's been talking about Hellboy 3 for what? Well, the first one came out in 2004 and 2008, and now it's 2016. So, the past eight years. And at first, he kind of dashed our hopes of having Hellboy 3. They're just going to prop Ron Perlman up. Yeah, yeah. Ron Perlman is, like, getting to that... Like, I don't know if you guys have seen Sons of Anarchy, but he was just... I suppose you could have another actor play him, but then have him do the voice. No, that's like Darth true. Vader. But, I mean, he's got that shape to his face. Like, he was the most perfect person to play Hellboy. <laughs> because they didn't have to use any makeup? They didn't have to use any makeup. They just had to <laughs> paint his skin red and put some horns on his forehead. Um, but anyways, uh, Del Toro took to Twitter the other night and put up a petition saying, if you give this tweet 1,000 or 100,000 votes... I will sit down and have a conversation with both Ron Perlman and Mike Manola, who is the uh, writer and uh, drawer, I guess you call him, of the Hellboy animator. comic book, Animator. Um, so it, it ended up getting 160,000 votes. Uh, so he already sat down with Perlman, and now he's sitting down with Manola, but whether or not this will go anywhere, we'll see. Both, I mean... Well, Perlman a long time ago already said he's down. For he already another. said he'd do it. He wants yeah. to give it to the fans because the fans have been asking for it. Um, he, because I mean, if you look at the numbers, like Hellboy came out in two thousand four. It cost sixty six million to make, and it brought in ninety nine point three million. You got, you got your money's worth. You got your money's worth. I mean, granted, it didn't it didn't get its money's worth until the DVD sales came out, but. It, I thought it was a well-popular, well-liked movie. I liked it. I mean, it, yeah. compared to it was a lot, it was original. It was original compared to a lot of superhero movies. You kind of go into them, you know what well, you're going to get. It was right. It was up there with like the first superhero movies or comic books adapted into movies. It yeah. was like one of the first right up there with like Iron Man and yeah, and the if, Dark Knight. If you considered like how ridiculous some of like the the villains are like yeah. in Hellboy well, not ridiculous but like fantastic I guess you could call it yeah like they did a really good job but it wasn't like Blade it wasn't like uh the Punisher it wasn't yeah uh, you know it's just it was more PG than those ones were yeah it was more of a it's it's, it's there for everybody it, it broadcast to a wider demographic yeah well, I mean, yeah, too, and you don't because you don't need to like Hellboy is he's fairly clean. I mean, he says crap a lot, but it's like as far as his comic books go, you don't have like nudity, you don't have any no. of the like the swear words that are bleeped out in little like yeah symbols or whatever it is. But you don't even have like a lot of like blood and none of that stuff. Yeah, but that's that's what people love about Hellboy is that his comic books are all sarcasm and one liners, and that's why Ron Perlman did. That's why it was so built for Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman's life is a one-liner. No offense if you're watching this, but uh, and then we go on to Hellboy Two. The Golden Army came out in 2008. Came out within months of both Iron Man and The Dark Knight, and it 
it caught it was you know it wasn't the best movie but it's I think still, it, it, it it did so well because the first one had such a following it was it it didn't do so well in the, the first one didn't do so well in the box office but it had more of a following once it got rolling on DVD and everybody word of mouth and stuff and then that's what generated so much buzz and uh, money for the second one uh, it, it obviously did very well I just didn't like the way it was written and the story seemed kind of wonky yeah no I get that um. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was different. It was definitely different. It won some awards, best creature makeup and all that. But yeah. I just feel like they didn't do enough backstory. It's just like, hey, there's this whole completely different world from the world that they just introduced right underneath this one. Yeah, that's true. Um, but you have the uh, sorry. Um, okay, but yeah, so let, let's look at the numbers for that one though. It again, it costs eighty-five million dollars to make, which is about fourteen. Off of what the other one was, yeah, uh, and it brought in 160 million dollars, so that was almost double. So I don't know why, if it's a timing issue or what it was, but these movies have consistently turned a profit. So I don't know why it's taken them eight years to because companies think, yeah, they they you almost pretty much doubled your money there, but you think like for like recent releases, you know, they put like a couple hundred thousand into it, and then or a couple hundred million into it, and then. It explodes and they get a billion dollars in revenue right off the bat in the first several like month of the release. That's what they considered a good return. Greedy, greedy corporate. It's greed. It's greed. 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 All right. Um, now for movies coming out this week, would you like to do the honors of reading this list? Here? Sure. I mean, uh, we have the 20th Century Woman. I thought that was a production company at first. Uh, Antarctica, Ice and Sky. I'm assuming that's a documentary. Uh, Bakery in Brooklyn, I'm sure it's all about muffins. Detour, uh, Dubious Sources, Faith oh, Song, um, Kitty? Kitty. Kitty. I'm assuming that's either a film, foreign film or something. Cats or, uh, you know. Uh, my, fa my Father Died. You look yeah, like they I just mean, kind of trailed off there at the that, end. Uh, well, I mean, at least you know what the movie's about going into it. I suppose. It. It's definitely not going to be about, you know, Walking cats or anything, so. <laughs> and the list goes on. Pen I think it's Panique? Or Panique. Panique? Um, yeah. I, I would have said Panic, but that's not how it's spelled. Uh, Split, which I think is a good movie. I'm going to go see it. It's about, uh, looks like a homicidal maniac with about 50 personalities. It looks creepy. I, it's, it's, it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, right? It is. So I'm expecting some retarded twist uh, at the end. But I'm still going to go see it because it's had the most... It's it's had the it's looked the best out of all of his crap he's done in the past. Yeah, the last like four movies have been. It's gonna end with like the girls being crazy, or they're not even there, and they're not there. They're not even there. It's all Ooh. in James McAvoy's head, Ooh. or they're they're gonna walk out of the warehouse or keeping them in. It turns out they've been in a village that's been isolated from society for the past fifty years. Yeah, and the only way to get back to their their real world is to go through the bottom of the swimming pool. Mmm. Yes, and then. I, know, I, was, I was trying to make a grandma, <laughs> whatever that grandma's house movie, which was actually really good, except for like the the poop and the kid's face part was a little too much for me. But mm. um, all right, continue. Uh, staying vertical. I'm assuming that's provided not that's falling down. Either a pornography uh, or a yeah. uh, like. Could you do porn standing up? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, strike a pose. I feel like they're just they're just lazy on these titles. The Founder, which is pretty good. It's about the start of the fat epidemic in the United States, about the founding of McDonald's, McDonald's chains of restaurants. So mm. we can thank Michael Keaton for making this back. Yeah. 
The Red Turtle. I believe that's an anime movie, but I'm not sure. That would be a safe assumption. I think so. Uh, the Resurrection of Gavin Stone. Not entirely sure what the hell that is. Uh, it's something about a guy pretending to be Christian for a Christian production. I don't know. I have. I just from what I picked up on the trailer, it features Brett Dalton of Agents of Shield, who obviously isn't a part of the show anymore. Spoiler alert. Well, I don't. I don't catch up on show. Hmm. Uh, the Sunshine Makers. This looks like a bright pick. Whoa! <laughs> uh, Trespass Against Us. I don't know about that one. And uh, for all of you who are a big fan of Vin Diesel, Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage, and also every other actor who's ever played Triple X. Because I just watched the second trailer, and Ice Cube is in it. So it's like The Avengers with Triple X, or... Well, with well, now it's no longer an individual who's called Triple X. It's an organization called Triple X. Because you've got like that can actually be really deceiving if all you think about it. Triple X. Like, it sounds like a porn company. Like, yeah, like a porn corporation. We are Triple X. So what do you you know? I mean, it, it's got a bunch of huge people, and it's got uh, oh gosh, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen. Which is weird because Donnie Yen was hesitant about taking part in Star Wars because he didn't want to be typecasted. But then jumped right on the bandwagon right into Triple X. Like, uh, you know, okay. But doesn't it? It also has Tony Jaw in it. Does it? I know Tony Jaw was in the last Fast and the Furious, and that you know, it's clearly a marketing strategy. They're trying to appeal to you know different countries to watch these movies, which makes sense. Well, they've got them. They've got uh, Ruby Rose. So there's your your you know lesbian. If you're in the movies, if you're confused about your life, yeah, Ruby, yeah, Ruby Rose is. And my personal favorite has Rory McCain, which is the hound from Game of Thrones. Oh. Or he was also the guy who only said one word in the entire movie of Hot Fuzz. Oh, you're right. He was the, the retarded guy who always said yarp. You're right. Yes. Oh. Yes. So I'm excited for that. Uh, I'll go see it just because it's a triple X movie. Well, from what I understand, like it's a bad movie, but it's fun to watch. That's what all the reviews. Well, that's, have said. that's what any triple X so movie that's what was. You should never watch it. But plot. I mean, like, it, there's like never a down moment. There's always, even when like people are just sitting down talking, there's a grenade gets chucked into things, which is you know, um, your typical Vin yeah. Diesel movie. And Vin Diesel, he's he's getting up there. You can you can see the wrinkly head. His head is not as muscular as it used to be. Yeah, and, he's, and he's really coming to the end of his action career. In all fairness, though, I did. I might be one of the few people in America who enjoyed watching The Last Witch Hunter. I never watched it. It was a bad movie, but I was, was a fan of the last Riddick movie, though. I really enjoyed it. I, it didn't do anything. Like it was a good movie, but it didn't. Well, because it, it went back to the first one. Yeah, but it didn't like it didn't progress at all. Like it didn't progress the story. You're like, okay, here, because they have this big, interesting necromancer plot, and you're like, you want to know what happens to them? They kind of explain a little bit, but then all of a sudden he's stuck on a planet again. It's like I thought back. that Why was I thought, that, I thought that was too. You're you're launching this character into a position so far from where he started out. He was just this nobody killer on a planet on a prison transport, and now you're launching him into this hero going to fight an entire evil empire. It was better when he was just a gritty outlaw on the run, yeah. which is what the third movie went back to. It wasn't an oh, it wasn't like an over the top action movie. Uh, yeah, it was a Pitch Black was a great movie, but I mean, if you're going to introduce all this lore, you need to 
elaborate on it. You can't just like say, mm-hmm. hey, this is happening, and then boom, it's like a completely... One thing I didn't like about it is it kind of was the same. It was the first movie all over again. Hey, it's dark, and there's water. Now there's these monsters coming out of the ground that is exactly the same plot as the first one. Yeah. And we have to get off this planet. I, I just hope... They're talking about the this next one's going to be a prequel, but like I hope they don't do that. I want to just... If you're going to do a prequel, you're going to have to get somebody else to play Riddick. You need to kill Riddick, or you need to progress his story. That's all I'm saying. Pretty much. Um, okay, in trailers today, we have Logan and Power Rangers. So we have... We're actually going to watch them live so you can see how we react to them. Um, probably bad. Probably bad. All right, well, here is Logan. I'm going to get your phone to work. I'm get to work. Big computer here. We're going to use the phone. Yep. Hello? You know you gotta pay for that, right? Hey. Come on. Ah! the girl from Stranger Things. Okay! I don't know, I don't. I, I gotta have to binge watch it. We got ourselves an X-Men fan. Oh, name dropped in the movie. Yeah, look at that. Something like a little shameless promotion. In the real world, people die. Logan, I don't think so. I believe this is his last movie. No. See, they no, go ahead and they just reveal no, that she's no. X-23. I like the mystery. For sure, where you, don't, you weren't sure if she was or not. Kind of knew. I mean, yeah. I thought they were going to do something But, you know, they show him as an old man and all these scars. How do you get all those scars if I never repeat the show? It's the only fact. This is based on old man Logan. It's the only fact. Whatever it is you think I am. Yeah. Oh, she needs to like what, five years old? Yeah, someone come on. Someone has come on. Yeah, I have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I am, I have to do it. I guess this is the last one. Kind of here? Yeah, it's last Well, it makes sense. He's getting up there. Yeah. So they got tons of people. Money, money. They're classic. We're wearing money for the floor. Money, people. Thank God. We still have time. I like it. I like what they do with the trailers. They're like, I don't know, people don't like Gritty. I like Gritty. I, I, I like that it's going to be the first R-rated X-Men movie. That's what people wanted all along. I just like, you know. Because you always show him stabbing these dudes and he comes out and his claws got nothing on him. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful what you're doing. I like it. I mean, I, it, it, it would have been, I would... Think how good those movies would have been if they could have been R-rated, yeah, all the way through. Yeah, I mean they would just. I mean, I, th- I think they would have made so much more money. Oh, for sure. Well, that's what the fans want. They blood. Just, they want blood. I mean, if Deadpool did so well, and that's just a prime example. All right, coming at you next, we have the Power Rangers trailer, which kind of biased because I still like the original one. Yeah, you know, you're not. They're not going to make anything like the original now. And you can say that that was a TV show, but they also made movies with the original cast. They did. None of us really know each other. We're all screw-ups. But somehow, we were all in the same place. See, right off the bat, this seems like 
the first the first trailer they released of this, the teaser trailer, it made it seem like this was the Breakfast Club. It felt like I was watching the Breakfast Club. It, the Power Rangers kind of are the Breakfast Club. Though. Not in the show, they are special powers. In the show, they're supposed to be the good kids. Oh, that's true. That's true. They're the examples for everybody else. These are all the. And then see, and see right here, they're making them to where even when they're not in the suits, they're like super powerful. That's not how it was. Yeah. Uh, that's true. They just rely. They all they had were costume oh, rangers. Did I just mean to say the word power Brian rangers? Brian Cranston right there. That's, we're talking about. Well, I was kind of expecting a little bit. Bill Hader. So where were you last night? Me and four kids found a spaceship buried underground. I'm pretty sure I'm a superhero. Yeah, that's every mom thing. Yeah, first question. The Rangers were a legion of warriors. You must become those warriors. Well, this is like Breaking Bad and Breaking Bad. Combine the movies together. Kanye West. So do I get powers? I like to go on the ground. born for this. And then I browse. She is pure evil. How do you expect us to stop her? It's morphin' time. The suits are cool. The suits look pretty cool, yes. It's all CGI. This movie is going to be too much CGI. Gold are. I know. Too much the fun with the movie today. They were like, it's a lot of gold. Your brain automatically goes, hey, that's not real. But it does look slightly better than a guy dressed in a suit. Yeah, on stage. I'm gonna go into it with moderate expectations. I'm not gonna expect anything out I'm hoping to be totally surprised. I mean, because, you know, I just watched today, I just rewatched uh, the Aliens movie. And that was no CGI, that was all practical effects. I hope Alien Covenant is and good. We'll see. It's, we'll see if they can recover from Prometheus. Sounds like they're trying to cash in on the. Uh, well, they're trying to recover. The the Prometheus was so I, I based from the, from the Alien movie. I like Prometheus. I'll admit. I like Prometheus as a standalone movie. How it how it works into the universe of aliens and predators, I'm not entirely sold on it. I I, I get that. I, get I mean, that. The, I, even I, the alien at the end didn't even look like the aliens because it has to evolve. I mean, it kind of cancels out a lot of the writing they did on the first few movies. But hey, here's the hoping. You know, especially with Ridley Scott movies, a little dialogue fixes everything. So of course, there's only some like little piece of just little piece of fits that makes it all connect. Little piece, anyways. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been the uh, Double J Film Cast. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Radio. you listen to the program and here's hoping you have yourself a great day.